Hi, and welcome, Ron Victor, to uh, Smart Building Series. Ron, how are you doing? Good, Jim. How are you? Very nice to hear from you again. Yeah, good to hear from you. And uh, yeah, give us an, an update on how IATM is uh, coming along. What's, what's new with you guys? Um, we are very happy to uh, one large announcement that came out earlier um, uh, this week or last week rather was that Rexnord has decided to use us as the edge cloud infrastructure company for all its needs. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk about more about that use case. We've seen an incredible, up we actually have closed a very large deal with another uh, uh, building owner for about 112 properties for our smart access product. That's another big one that will be announced very shortly. And um, overall, the uptake of what we're doing from all three of our value props has been amazing. So when we started talking, we, we talked about what we call our, what we have now branded as OTNET, which is Operation Technology hyphen NET. And OTNET is basically our traditional network infrastructure as a service uh, offering, which basically has the inodes on either side and you have a secure, a virtual programmable data diode overlay network that abstracts out all the complexities in deployment of industrial IoT at scale. That product has been doing really well in the building automation, oil and gas, power and utilities, manufacturing and healthcare verticals. Uh, it's 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 uh, we have customers in all these verticals using it. Basically, there I don't know whether I told you this. We've connected refineries now within 12 minutes. We've connected power plants within 18 minutes. We connect buildings within six minutes. So all the complexities involved, whenever you're, you know, we're going through multiple DMZs without ever having to call an IT person, without ever having to change a firewall or a proxy setting, without ever having to get an APN or a VPN from an operator, all those layers being abstracted out makes this deployment so easy that we've got, uh, you, know, you know, incredible traction in all of those verticals. But that led to that led to what we uh, call smart access, or what we now call OT access. And OT access is a very unique problem. All of these customers, particularly in the building automation field as well as in the oil and gas field, what you will notice is there are multiple subsystems within a building or multiple subsystems within an oil rig. And uh, these multiple subsystems are from multiple different vendors. So like in a building, you may have Allerton, Train, Siemens, and Schneider, you know, the HVAC system from somebody, the chiller system from somebody else, the lighting system, and the yeah. access control. Absolutely. And on an oil, and on an oil rig, it's a similar case. You'll have uh, Schlumberger, Emerson, Bosch, Halliburton providing four different subsystems on an oil rig, drill monitoring, uh, oil pressure checking, whatever it may be. And what the uniform requirement that came out of this whole thing was that everybody came to us and says, hey, can you provide me a single pane of glass from where I can provision, authenticate, manage, and audit which technician from which vendor is accessing which subsystem at what time on which building or which oil rig? Can you provide me that because today, Vendor A uses some kind of VPN. Vendor B uses another VPN. Vendor C says open up another port for me. Vendor D forgets to leave a close a port when they've gone in. So I want to basically have a uniform standard pane of glass. With one click, I should be able to uh, enable Tom from Halliburton to access an oil rig between the hours of 3.30 and 4 a.m. 
and one click I should be able to disable John from Schneider to access building number 80 in Chicago uh, uh, whenever he's done. Mm -hmm. So that led to this OT access which has taken off really well. So a single pane of glass for people that have the problem of provisioning, authenticating, managing and auditing multiple technicians from multiple vendors remotely accessing remote multiple subsystems within an asset. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's really done well. And now coming to the Rexnord use case, which is our OT edge use case, where, you know, Rexnord has the huge machines, gear, they're big, they're a, they're a $2 billion company manufacturing gearboxes and, mm -hmm. I don't know, big gears and ball bearings for heavy industry and all that. And they are retrofitting their existing machinery to be able to do preventive maintenance, predictive analysis, all that kind of good stuff. So they built a module that has all the sensors in it that gets plugged onto the machine and the inode, our um, uh, inode software gets plugged on with it. And the benefit, it's very interesting. They're not doing this to take data out to the cloud. They're doing this to be able to push applications to the edge. So basically okay. the, the yeah. entire edge infrastructure is being managed by us. A whole patching of the Linux operating system, patching of the applications, making sure the applications don't leak, providing the entire industrial app store where they can upload a new machine learning program, a new artificial intelligence program, and with one click, push it across 100,000 machines. Right. Tomorrow they want to tweak that program, push it up. So that's also taken off uh, very that's, well. So that's, that's, really, the that's really interesting because that's clearly one of the, the big problems here with the IoT, right, is that how if you're deploying sensors or whatever it might be some you know some bit of machinery that you want to keep an eye on you want it to be connected how can you ensure that the that software is kept up, kept up to date it's properly patched um so it's so you're right it's not just about getting data out of it it's also about being able to upload patches and um you know other things to to the edge as well right Right. I mean, what I always tell people, you don't need us if you're going to connect one machine. You really don't need IoT. But moment you do anything at scale, people don't think about, it. okay, so there's a Linux vulnerability that has shown up on your edge gateway. Now, how are you going to patch that edge gateway? What You need infrastructure with one click to be able to push that patch out and patch the operating system. Hmm. Now, one application may have leaked that's running in a container and they found a vulnerability. So the vendor of the application has come up and says, here's my patch, go, 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 go and deploy it. The, you are now across 400,000 cameras across 40 cities and you have to deploy this firmware patch because there was a Murai attack and the vendor has given you a patch. Hmm. How do you push this patch out with one click and make sure that everything's patched? That, that is what we call edge infrastructure as a service. Mm. Otherwise, you have to build your a huge IT team in-house to be able to do all of this, which is, you know, it's, it's equivalent to an IT network. I mean, today, if you go into a large office or large enterprise, all these laptops are being patched by IT people, etc., making sure that everything is patched on a 7 by 24 basis. You have to do the same thing for millions of machines, a lot more than people, actually, mm. have to do this across. So now suddenly, that entire infrastructure is what Rexnord is using us for, not only for uh, for the edge infra itself, but also uh, the ability to push applications and then the ability for us to patch manage all those applications, patch manage the operating system, all of that. Mm. It's a pretty complex thing to do. Yeah, totally. Um, At scale. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And, and as you said, like the fact then that yeah, it's okay at an enterprise level. 
you know, IT departments have been able to um, to cope manually cope with all of these with let's say laptops and servers if they're there on site. But once you start, um, you know, having this kind of soft these uh, IoT devices all over the place, it's just in different physical locations. It's um, impossible to be able to manage all of those. One of the, it was very interesting, one of the, uh, we, we were having dinner with one of the Rexnod engineers and he has to actually go down some 3,000 feet into a mine to patch a box and then come back up because the yeah. box is right there in the mine. Can you imagine that? I mean, he was just telling us that it took him half a day to go down and patch one because he had to go down to the mine and he has to wait for the elevator timings. When it, so, I mean, this is what this person is doing and imagine doing that at scale across 100 mines. My God. Yeah, I um I came across some, an interesting statistic uh, about uh, ransomware um, and saying you know I think this stat was twenty sixteen uh, FBI received about two thousand six hundred complaints that's risen last year to about three thousand clearly you know this problem's and again this is just ransomware we're talking about we're not talking about any other type of malware. Clearly increasing. Uh, why is that? Um, and are we are are they doing it because we as an industry are not reacting fast enough to um, you know to to patch software and and do the the necessary things required? It's I I wouldn't say it's just because there are there are two or three aspects that lead to it. One is them that want to do it just for kick's sake. They just want to do it. They, they like to say that, look, I could hack into 100 hours. So they do it. They, there's no, they have, there is no benefit other than a satisfaction that, look, I could I could hack into it. So mm. that's one, which is, it. and by the way, you'll be surprised. There's a lot of people who do it just for that one reason, just to be able to show, look, I can hack into that. All right, that's one. Secondly, of course, there are, there are people, bad actors, who either want to steal data or who want to bring a machine down. So these are uh, the, these are the uh, other reasons. Somebody who wants to do something malicious, either steal or bring something down. Now the your the increase in this is is as as compute becomes cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, it enables more and more people to write more and more complex algorithms that they can run for practically nothing on AWS or on Azure, etc. I mean, the, imagine the amount of horsepower available to a hacker right now. To be able to just uh, you know uh, run some decryption algorithm or try uh, uh, try that. So because compute ha has become so um, uh, so cheap, you can write very sophisticated algorithms to do this. And network has taken off so well. I mean, all of us are connected now. Look at us. We're doing. I mean, I, I would say about five years ago, we'd still have some blurriness in this conversation, or there might be latency issues. Now there isn't. You know, so networks have improved. Computers become cheap, and 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 therefore it becomes. It, it, the more and more things get connected, the more network gets better. The more compute becomes cheaper. We're going to see more of this happen. Now, what that tells us at the same time is we need to wisen up too. Which is, hey, because networks have taken up because things, we need to be very protected on our side to be able to patch all this infrastructure that we have and make sure that it's completely current and not vulnerable. All the older, uh, you know, the older vulnerabilities have been addressed in some form or the other, and we've modernized the infrastructure to make sure it has the required firewalls and protection in place. 
And I think that will take a little bit of a transition. People are not just going to rip and replace what they have. They will slowly and steadily keep back. And it's, it's getting there. But at the same time, the, the, the other part of this is we have also become very conscious that every time a hack occurs, now it's in the news. I mean, not to say that, you know, hacks must have been occurring before, but we were we never you know, were too bothered about it. Now everybody is concerned knowing that, you know, with all the uh, high flying hacks with uh, large department stores, credit cards uh, being stolen, etc. Mm -hmm. It has actually touched the consumer directly. It's like my information is being leaked versus and this Facebook thing has 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 made that even more. Uh, they, they know it's my private personal information that has been let out. Therefore, I'm really worried and concerned. Versus, oh, it's the company's information that doesn't bother me anymore. Mm. So that's, I think that that's the whole thing's coming together. Yeah, exactly. And we'll, exactly. But that's also why it really worried me when I heard about the WannaCry uh, ransomware attack in the UK. That they were saying that. Um, the NHS in Scotland, out of the 14 different trusts who are the, the body that's responsible, 11 of them were still using Windows XP, which was why, one of the main reasons why, um, you know, they were able to, to hack in. And again, that's an operating system that's not been supported since for four years, hasn't had a major security update since 2008. You know, how can that happen? Uh, and of course, I'm not. I, I'm not saying that you know the answer to that. Obviously, you don't. But it's just that is. Um, it's quite scary to think that you know, those kind of institutions are running software like that, and that's what's being exploited. The the difference, Jim, between that and between then and now is the fact that cyber is the easiest way to cause damage versus anything physical. Now, I mean. Cyber is real. You can bring countries down. You can build power. You can bring power plants down. You can bring, and that can create havoc. Mm. And therefore, what the mindset of all intelligence, like the NHS and all of this, has to first protect cyber, because a person sitting anywhere in the world that has a network and sufficient compute can now bring something down. So therefore, put a lot of attention in modernizing your systems, making sure the required firewalls and protections. That look at the latest technologies out there to I mean, you know the, the, I don't want to make the world go into paranoia or something like that. Mm. Everything that's happening has a solution. There is sure. not that there, there sure. you could easily protect that that XP network by putting one of our inodes in front of it. Nobody would have been able to touch the XP network because the inode would have blocked it. But um, but but that requires somebody to think that hey I have old infrastructure in space that has not been patched for a while. I need to immediately focus on protecting that or upgrading it to something that is uh, that is more modern. I mean, we do that with our cars. We do that with our television sets. We do that with our laptops. How come we are not doing it with our XP-based servers that are, you know, old? Hmm. Well, that kind of ties into my, my next question, which was... You know, what we've seen is, or what we are seeing is, is an increasing skill gap, right? A skill shortage. Now, I'm hearing that, and we seem to be putting a lot of trust in the fact that machine learning or artificial intelligence could be, you know, our, one of the best weapons against, you know, cybersecurity, given the fact that we, we don't have enough people with the right skills. Uh, what do you think? Do you agree with that? Um... 
in the end, anything that is people dependent cannot scale. That's the way I, I, I look at it. Right? You look at anything uh, in the world that is completely people dependent and you need a bunch of people to do things. Mm. The scalability of that problem becomes a, becomes a very big issue. So therefore, yes, if I can run a deep packet inspection engine 7 by 24 on an edge gateway that is constantly looking at all the traffic on my network and saying, hey, something abnormal is going on. This doesn't happen normally at 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm seeing a spike of some sort. Please take a look. So now my human staff can come in only when they see the anomaly that there is something weird going on. I need to take a look, etc. Now, if there is something mission critical in here, you could immediately program it to say, hey, wait a minute, something's going on. Lock that down completely. So that before, let the IT guys come in and take a look and all in the meantime, lock it down. So machine learning and AI, I think machine learning in particular, I am uh, uh, I'm very gung-ho about and I like the fact how we could use it. But in the end, somebody has to write the machine software that has the capability of learning the right things too. So the skill is now in writing intelligent machine learning algorithms that are going to deliver what they do, which is still, which is also a limited skill, by the way. There's not that many people who know how to write great machine learning algorithms. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, but that will at least uh, help us with the fact that we won't need to throw an army of people monitoring a screen all the time looking for anomalies. The machine will look, the, the machine learning algorithm will look for anomalies, whether it's deep packet inspection, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, network uh, configuration, all that kind of good stuff and vulnerabilities. I mean, there are today, there are companies that do one thing, one and only one thing. They'll send an algorithm out to say, hey, on all your equipment, the default username is username and the default password is password. Could you please change? Just detecting that itself is of incredible value. Something very basic, right? You can start with, let me see what's on my network and does everything have a valid username and a password that's not, that's not easily copyable or easily available. Very fundamental, basic thing. And that itself, to do that with humans, would require an, an, a humongous amount of staff. So therefore, these machine learning algorithms, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, that's now, great. Whether they will deliver what they're supposed to, we will see. Right, yeah, of course. <laughs> that's great advice, I think. I mean, I, speaking to someone previously, I know they were saying, if you... You know, if you're a building owner or operator and you're worried about cybersecurity, the first thing you have to do is is understand what is connected in your building. And I don't think a lot of people probably do re actually understand exactly what is connected. And until you do, you you really don't you you don't have the information you need to protect uh, to protect your your network. You got it. So many people. I mean, today, right now, we've launched Discovery as a service in a container on the iNode for that one reason. The customer came to us and says, Ron, great, you can protect my network. First, tell me what I have on my network. Because over the past 10 years, somebody plugged a DSL modem, somebody opened another port, somebody did that. It's completely uh, unknown to me. Just run Discovery. Tell me what assets are connected, number one. Number two, Ron, can you run an algorithm for me that will basically detect all the usernames and passwords. Tell me which ones don't even have a, which have a wide open username. Very basic stuff. Let's start with that. And that will give me an audit of what I have connected, whether it's patched or not, what's running on XP, do I have usernames on, I mean, you know, things that we take for granted. And I'll fix that. And then we'll go into the next generation of, you know, providing even more layers of security. It's all about isolation, as I keep saying, Jim. Mm. You know, people, we're always, 
the threat of hacks are going to be there. But what you have to do is keep making it harder and harder and harder and harder for the person to get in. So you need layers of security. It's nothing but like the old fort, right? You had a moat and before first people could fall into the moat. Then you had another moat where you had fire and oil. Then you had a big wall. Then you had a bigger wall. And that's the way. I mean, and there's, there's no great magic to it. Even cyber security is the same thing. Just keep building layers and layers and layers so that you have enough time to react before the person re reaches the mission critical asset, before the hack reaches the mission critical asset. Right, absolutely. Right. Yeah, and we wrote about that in our report about trying to have a layered approach to uh, cyber security, especially in buildings. I think it's super important. You know, since we last spoke, have you, um, have you noticed any sort of marked difference perhaps in uh, what's going on in the smart building industry with regard to cyber security? Are you seeing now a, a, a better level of education or are you coming up against the same kind of problems? I am definitely seeing more engagement. The concern level has gone pretty high. Whenever you go to Realcom or IBCon or to Niagara or, or which are Tridium's show or whatever else, or, or, or Haystack or Sky Foundry show, these security sessions are slammed. They're packed. Everybody's in there. So uh, the IFMA show, I was there, and there people are there. All these security sessions are packed, so people understand that cyber is here, that their building is an asset that is one of the easiest way for somebody to come in. It's no more they have to penetrate the enterprise network. They'll, enterprise, they'll penetrate from the building network and then try and hop onto your other networks, etc. So the concern level is high. The interest level is reached. Are people doing enough, fast enough? No. That are, people are still, you know, they're trying to, I keep telling this, and it's weird. People are trying to protect a billion dollar asset for $100 a month. And that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, when you buy, you know, I mean, you're protecting your entire skyscraper here. You're protecting multiple companies that are in that building. If your lights go out, the amount of damage that's going to cause to your lease, to your to your brand value, to people not wanting to rent from you, etc., is going to be huge. And you're still stuck in. But I want it for hundred bucks. Like you know, now I'm seeing people move to the mentality: Hey. I don't care. My brand value is so high. I have to patch the building. I have to make sure that it's protected. I have to make sure the lights will never go out. The elevators will never be hacked. And I have to do that because I'm brand conscious. My stock market, uh, my stock price will get impacted because of the negative press around it. And therefore, I understand what I'm dealing with. And therefore, I'm not going to bicker about 100 bucks a month or 120 bucks a month or something like that. So I'm going to go and protect my, uh, my asset. And I think people have to get that mindset that the building is a very expensive asset that, that is responsible for 70% of the productivity of people that come in and work there. And if that building is, is, is hacked and the lights go out, the elevators don't work, the plumbing stops for whatever reason, etc., it's going to cause some severe brand damage and, or, and therefore it's not worth penny pinching uh, uh, to secure that asset, to yeah. secure the building. Yeah, it's a great point. Isn't it? And I think that's one of the things that's really changed over the last five years, that cultural difference in how now if, if something's uh, or if an attack happens, you can see it and, and it comes out in the press, you can see that it's going to have a huge impact, not only on their brand, but on their uh, share price. And I guess that wasn't actually really happening before, was it? Um, there wasn't it, the, that that's been a big shift. Absolutely. And we have customers today who, who tell us that my brand value is so important. Come and protect this asset right now, right away. Mm. 
So it's, it's, a, it's a good shift. When, when you speak to building owners or people that operate buildings, like facilities managers, what, what advice are you, are you giving them? Um, I, it, I, it's a great question. And I have two real life cases right now that I'm dealing with here. Like, see, the, there are customers that want smart access, which is the ability to provision, manage, authenticate, and audit which use which technician from which vendor accessed which building and which subsystem within the building remotely with an audit log available etc now that is that requires some more investment on the part of the building operator because it's a more it's a little more expensive service that we offer compared to our regular um, uh, ot net nas service what i've not what i've been telling people is worry about smart access later just take the nas product which is offered at nothing and protect the building. Just put it in there, block it, make sure that nobody has access to the building. That's the first thing. Once it's protected, now you can do all the bells and whistles you want. So my message to the entire property owners, to all REITs, to all property managers is first and foremost, drop an inode into the building, protect that building. Once it's there, at least I breathe a sigh of relief. That I mean, I am more paranoid about, about my customers' buildings than I think they are. Like my emails to them are first, protect your building, just drop this in and stop the proliferation, then we'll worry about everything else. Yeah, yeah, great, great advice. And then um, same thing about when you meet, uh, let's say equipment manufacturers, you know, the companies that are, you know, actually deploying bits of kit sensors, maybe, maybe, you know, companies like Rexnord, what do you say to them? What, what would be their, you know, your first bit of advice to them? The, uh, the first bit of advice, and I don't know whether they should listen to my advice or not, but my advice is stick to what you do well, right? Don't do, it's like I make elevators. Now I'm going to put, I'm going to build a mini Cisco in-house to be able to network all these elevators and, and connect them, which to me doesn't add up. You're damn good at making elevators because you've made elevators for the past hundred years. Mm. Why are you delving into a space that is not your core strength, which is going to be a cost center, not a profit center. Let people who know and do that for a living do that for you. A company like us, which provides the infrastructure for them. So whenever we talk, we talk to OEMs in in uh, everything from building automation, oil and gas, uh, power and utilities, all of these guys making, I mean, even let's say a very large healthcare company that makes x-ray machines and MRI machines and ultrasound machines is now using us for the edge cloud infrastructure because they know that is not their core business. Their core business is making the best damn x-ray machine in the world with the best damn image and enabling third parties to write applications that can analyze that image so they can detect cancer sooner than you could detect it or whatever else. So, so they stay focused in that and they let people like us come in and provide the network infrastructure, the edge infrastructure, the protection. So my advice to most, and, and this is a very hard sell to the OEM, by the way, it's not an easy sell because sure. the OEM says, it's my product, I'm going to build it in-house. It takes a it takes me, till I get to the C-level conversation, it'll take me a hard sell. But moment I go to the C-level conversation, I say, dudes, you guys make gears. Why, why are you trying to do this? When you have it, and why are you building a cost center of a hundred people when I can do this for one tenth the price for you? And that's when then it's a no-brainer. Then it's a top-down uh, sale. But that's the problem with OEM. It's like everybody trying to say I can now protect my assets from cyber threats, even though I'm I make forklifts, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a very different thing to make forklifts than to do networking and cyber gear to be able to protect the forklift. They're two different things. Yeah. Do you think it's a similar problem with uh 
in the smart home residential space, um, you know, my sense is that that a lot of startups are targeted there. Uh, you know, like bits of kit for smart homes, maybe locks or video cameras or you know smart home assistants. And you know, a lot of focus in startups is getting a, just getting a product out there. You know, minimum viable product testing, iterating, improving, but it seems to me that that kind of model doesn't lend itself very well to, you know, really good engineering in the sense that, you know, are there must be a lot of unprotected products out there. There's a humongous amount of unprotected products. And I see that as an opportunity for the telcos and the cable operators of the world. I believe that that same box, that set-top box, which is in your home, which is responsible for your internet access, which is running your Netflix and Pandora, which is giving you your television channels. That box has to have an inode on it and it becomes the sentry of the house, which means everything that goes out goes through that box and everything that comes in comes through that box. So there's a wonderful opportunity here before 5G and internet, I would say between the, the, the there, there I would say two opportunities that the entire 5G network uh, presents a marvelous opportunity in a similar manner and now inside the home the, the 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 cable operator the telco has a has a wonderful opportunity and if you think about it that's what Nest is trying to do right Nest got into the house with with a thermostat but in the end they want to become a gateway where everything is going through them similarly ADT who provides the security system in the house they are already in the house they want to become the gateway the power meter guys they want to be the because there's a power meter outside every house that that's going so all of these assets are potential opportunities to become iot inode hubs which become secure entry points for any consumer device to come in and out so however insecure the consumer device out is the entire security is now bent upon these hubs, whether whether it is the cable box, whether it's the set-top box, whether it's the, the ADT alarm box, whether it is the Nest thermostat, whatever, that single point where now all traffic goes only through that and back in and out, and that's how it protects everything uh, uh, everything south uh, south of that box. So I think there's, a, the, but right now you're absolutely right, the amount of consumer devices coming out which are connected and coming out to the rate they're coming out, they're, they're, a lot of them are wildly insecure and uh, therefore will pose a threat the more they get deployed. Yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting that you, you don't hear too much about people talking about some security within, you know, within home and, and, and those kind of products. So yeah, maybe there, as you said, there's a big opportunity there for someone to come in and um, you know provide a secure uh, gateway into into the in everybody's home. Yeah, well, Roy, it, as Ron, sorry, it's been really good to uh, talk to you. Really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, yeah, any any thoughts to leave us with? I mean, you know, the, the industry is looking good. Industrial IoT is 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 here and now to stay. It's been commercially deployed. It's gone. It's moved on from point or from proof of concept to, to actual commercial deployment. And I think anybody who's sitting on the fence should be actually considering that. Like, let's move on. Let's get on with it. It's, uh, there's no reason to wait anymore. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, and especially as security is concerned, there's uh, it, 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 it's act now, uh, secure things, and then uh, and then you don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Right. Thanks very much. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye.